With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get down for eSports! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Nerf This, the esports show that just ran out of time waiting for news. I'm your host, Brian Huff, and I'm joined, as I always am, by Seven. Hello, sir. <laughs> I really like that because it is mostly true. I think we were expecting a lot more to come out of Gamescom and... I did is Gamescom going on? I, I have not heard anything. Clearly, Gamescom is not esportscom because there no. was very little news that came out of Gamescom. We sat down on what was it like Monday, and we're like, okay, going through our yeah. normal thing. We're going to do our show, and maybe we'll give it another day. Maybe we'll give it another yeah. day, and we still have roughly the same news items in here <laughs> that we had on Monday because there's been hardly anything come out of Gamescom esports related. I assumed at least a dozen or more Battle Royale announcements add-ons to any game. Maple uh, Story 2, it launches <laughs> this Sto- week, I'm just saying. <laughs> we were joking about it in Discord. You're like, Maple Story 2 gets it. And I'm like, yeah, so does Leisure Suit Larry. You're like, no, I'm being serious. Yeah, 100% <laughs> like, oh, serious. I saw the news sorry. story. Maple Story 2 <laughs> launches next year, but the Realm Royale version or the Battle Royale version of it launches this week. So, Realm Royale. Oh, huzzah. <sighs> oh, Lord. So... <laughs> Let's get into what news we do have. We do have a fair amount of news. There actually was uh, a bunch of esports that happened this past weekend, believe it or not. Uh, We had the Eastern Clash and the HGC. We also had the Call of Duty World League Championships, as well as the uh, Rainbow Six Paris Major. But before we get to that, we are going to hit some of the business news items, starting with um, our favorite company, Tencent, who is now partnering with ESL for a preseason showcase that is actually uh, going on right now for Arena of Valor. Yeah, Arena Valor is one of the games that they, I mean, it's huge in China. Uh, they've in China. Uh, been pushing it quite a bit. It's essentially uh, League of Legends mobile. <laughs> Don't tell uh, Riot that. It's a very sensitive subject right now. Yeah, yeah, sorry. That, sorry, that guys. and not being chauvinist assholes. Those are the two And, and on top of it, I think, um, uh, I think Arena Valor was also the opening title in the Asian games this week. Yes, so and it's um, for all the esports stuff that Tencent <laughs> is essentially doing there, uh, the Tencent games, uh, you could call could call it. I think ninety percent of it are Blizzard and Tencent or slash both essentially. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, mobile esports that that window is open 
right? And it's it's growing. It's a huge market in China. Uh, we've seen, uh, especially like PUBG is now being pushed heavily, heavily, heavily by by Tencent. Yep. Uh, probably even like pushed out Fortnite in that in that aspect in, in China. And but yeah, you know, Rena Valor is huge. I feel like. Uh, Vainglory has missed the boat now, or like basically walked off the dock and forgot to get. Yeah, back I was gonna on. say no. It was fine. It was doing just good. And they said, "Oh, yeah. hey, Arena of Valor, would you like our position? We would like to dive off this cliff over here." Yeah, they totally had it. They totally had it. Well, they're trying to get back into it with uh, mildlyish vague posts, but not of the <laughs> epic. Esports is a coming. Wait, Val- you already had esports. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you just literally disappeared this year, and you lost all of your teams and all of your backings, and now you're trying to rebuild it. We'll see how that goes, um, stuck with the 3D especially 3D. now since they're trying to rebuild it on the PC and Mac. I know. But, well, yeah. That's Anyways, sorry. But, we were talking about Tencent. <laughs> yeah, so Arena of, Arena of Valor Season 2 is going to kick off this September uh, with eight weeks over three regions, North America, Europe, and Latin America, 18 total teams. Uh, definitely has to be up there with the king of mobile esports right now. I, I'd say, other than Clash Royale, when we talk about mobile specific games, probably doing the best, like you said, with Vainglory and Super Evil kind of giving up the crown at this point, with the exception of some of these games like PUBG and Fortnite that have mobile clients, but they're not primarily as esports played on mobile. Arena Valor is looking really good, and I'm sure Riot, if any of the stories are even partially true about what happened with Riot and Tencent and Arena of Valor and then wanting a mobile version of League of Legends, definitely looks like they missed the boat with this particular one. Yeah, they're standing at the dock with uh, the Vainglory people. Super Evil Megacorp. Holding, holding the down the, the bay. bait shop. Just getting a whole bunch of <laughs> hey, songs man, stuck in my head. I don't know why I'm continuing with that analogy. It's freaking awful. <laughs> you're, just, so. you're just all about the dock. Uh, you mentioned this. PUBG Mobile <laughs> has now passed 100 million downloads. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. Now, Fortnite hit 100 million downloads on iOS in late July, but it's still... Right a big deal for PUBG Mobile to hit 100 million downloads and probably further validates the fact that PUBG should have probably been free to play all along um, because clearly there's interest in the game and we've seen this when it comes to these mobile titles. They do very, very well and PUBG just not been able to match that success on PC compared to what Fortnite's been able to, largely I think due to the business model. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is I believe PUBG is also on Android, and I think Fortnite bailed on Android. Or, they sorry, they're not using the Google Play Store. That's they're what not, it was. Yes, yes. So they had, yeah. like, a week of exclusivity that was announced alongside the Galaxy Note 9. They did this, uh, actually saw this video this morning where Ninja was on Instagram getting an in-real-life loot drop, and in there was, like, a Galaxy Note 9, and he was in there playing it. And But, yeah, and that's a big deal for Fortnite, actually, because Fortnite is basically saying, we think that we have so much draw that we do not need the Google Play Store in order to get installed on enough devices. And somebody there clearly did the math saying it's not worth the, what is it, I believe the 30% cut that Google takes from app sales and potentially all microtransactions within the game, depending on how they classify those microtransactions. And we've seen this be an issue on iOS as well. Um, It's caused a lot of even like non-gaming apps to not want to be on iOS or to change their business model because they don't want to pay that 30% cut to Apple and Google. And so we'll see how that ends up playing out for Fortnite, but certainly they think they have the numbers to make it worth not going to the Google Play Store. I feel like there's probably something else there, in all honesty, because, uh, I mean, historically, Google and Apple are willing to work deals on percentages, especially like subscription services and so on and so forth. Uh, And so they've worked these deals with different companies. I think like they took less on like Hulu at one point in time. Right. 
um, all of those, uh, like Netflix, maybe even. And so because they're, you know, they're kind of just cornerstones of the gaming, you know, platform or ecosystem, depending where they are. And Fortnite is definitely one of them. Uh, so it would not surprise me if Google's like, we'll only take 10% because we, that alone is still like probably like uh, $500 million or something ridiculous. Right. And it, is it uh, weird that they can, now I get that like ones with Samsung and ones with Google, but it's interesting that they could work out a deal with Samsung for this like week of exclusivity on the Samsung Galaxy devices, but could not come to some sort of agreement with Google for some sort of reduced fear. Maybe Google offered them and they said mm-hmm. it's still not enough because of how much money you think we're going to make. I think what we're going to have to do is keep an eye on mobile, specifically Android downloads for both Fortnite and PUBG to see how this ends up playing out and see if this move right. hurts or helps Fortnite in the long run on mobile. Yeah, and the thing that hurts Google the most in that is that they can't basically put ads against it. It's also on top of the money. They can't they can't sell ads against the game uh, in the shop and so on and so forth. And so without that draw, they they lose out even more. Not just the percentage, which obviously is the larger part. Um, but there's, you know, a secondary streams of revenue that they're just not getting a piece of because Fortnite is now a huge enough beast that, I mean, the only people who are able to say, sorry, we're not going to let you do that or butt up against them. It seems to be Sony still, uh, but, um, cross play still not I there. I know. Sony. Whatever, but kill yeah. Sony. Um, but the the battle royale genre is not without its pockmarks, as Realm Royale is learning, as it was reported by Eurogamer this week, that after two months, 94% of players have deserted the game. Now, this seems a little overblown. This, the, I, I question the math and data collection techniques, but we had made a comment in the last show when we were looking at streaming numbers for Realm Royale versus other games, and they were literally like, you know, if you just use Twitch, yeah. number of people watching as a marker, it was like 10% or less of what was happening with either Fortnite or PUBG at the time. Mm-hmm. Only about 1,500 people, which is which is like down there with some of the like non-multiplayer games that people just stream from time to time. That's a pretty big deal, especially when we talk about Hi-Rez believing so strongly in the game that one of the studios they spun off, when they spun the studios off, was specifically focused only on Realm Royale. Yeah, and that, these are scary numbers if, if that's the case. But again, it's, it's still considered really 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 early on i think it's even early on for high res and so they we've seen them kind of stick these things out for a while uh they haven't started a league yet on it so we know that it's not ready not approaching beta just yet or even like Uh, somewhere in the alpha stage because they have no problem spinning up an esport around a game they spent three weeks on (laughs) right right so but it's again it i i feel like they have long-term plans for it but the problem is, is they i feel like they they kicked it off too early um, they should have maybe waited a little bit longer or kept it part of Paladins, then spun it off. But because, but by ditching Paladins, they've essentially lost a core piece of their audience, it feels like. Yeah, because um, this originally started yeah. out and was announced as a game mode right. in Paladins at High Res Expo last year. Um, one of the reasons why they said they spun it off was basically the way that Paladins was coded meant that they could not make right. the modifications they needed to make to the champions in this mode so it wouldn't impact the champions in the core mode. We've seen this coding limitation hit Paladins multiple times. In fact, right now, during the Dragon's Call event where they had this kind of like capture the flag, Lucio Ball hybrid kind of thing going on, there are classes or heroes and champions in that game that are currently blocked out because they are not able to make modifications <laughs> right. to them specifically for that game mode, so they end up just like making them unavailable. 
Um, so they did kind of paint themselves into a corner. Now, obviously, they, they went away. They've redesigned the game both in its own as a standalone game as well as getting away from the champion concept. It no longer uses the champions from right. Paladins and just has this like class-based system. But they've had some setbacks that have slowed the development of the game down. But this is not good for early goings. Like where there's a lot more battle royale competitors coming down the pipe very, very soon. A uh, very popular franchises are adding this mode, and so to try to sell a standalone game against Fortnite, against PUBG, against some of these other games, it doesn't bode well for them. And I worry about them putting a bunch of resources into Realm Royale when, like, I feel like they could get better with Paladins, get better with Spite. Yeah. It, it it does seem kind of risky um, spinning them off into their own studio and letting them supposedly work faster. When in all honesty, we think they. I mean, we've talked we talked about this like what last show show before last. We, there's something else going on, but uh, these kinds of numbers you, you don't like to see. You don't like to see ninety four percent of your group drop off. Uh, now you will always see a group drop off uh, when you you know initially launch, but to to be down to 5,000 people, it's a little scary. Um, I mean, you're only running how many matches simultaneously at any given time at that at that point? Well, that's hard, Match too, right? Because at some point, it starts right? to degrade your ability yeah. to play, like, your gameplay experience. Because when you have to put 80, 90, 100 people into a match, right. and you can't find enough people to spin up a match quickly, like, it's one of the things about Fortnite and PUBG is you wait no time at all to get thrown into a match no matter what game mode you're going after. And that's an important part of the game, especially as we start to see them implement more and more things that allow the game to be played more quickly. Uh, we've even seen to the point where Riot has recently introduced a, a mode to League of Legends that is more of like a truncated gameplay experience that allows you to jump in and play like a 15-20 minute match. That is, what, that is what made Battle Royale so appealing. And if you spend an hour waiting for a match, you're going to go off and play something else. So it becomes this yeah. vicious circle where as the numbers continue to dwindle, the gameplay experience goes down and therefore the numbers dwindle even further. Yeah, and they've been trying to push it more, obviously, with, with their uh, tournaments. Um, they've been trying to get a bunch of people on board, basically trying to now pull from Fortnite, it looks like, um, but is bringing in like, a lot of the Fortnite streamers and, yep. and so on and so I forth. I think Ninja even and streamed Keemstar, at one point. Yeah, I think they. I think he was, as well as I think Keemstar was even running the tournaments as well. And so when we looked at some of those numbers, they had a decent amount of people watching them, but who knows the amount of money that was invested in the deals that had to be done to yep. get people to host that stream and that only matters if they stick around and clearly they have not yeah well no but who knows where that number was even maybe before those tournaments like i heard it was even worse so <laughs> what, maybe like it's gone up a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just two of us on a private server that we spun up at home yeah, yeah i don't know so we'll see where realm royale goes but it definitely does not look good for that game when you've already put the investment in spinning off in a separate studio so we will see where that continues to go uh the rlcs rocket league championship series has announced they're going to be adding the south american region for 2019 i i have to say rocket league has been impressive in their consistency mm -hmm. and their willingness to grow the game slowly and methodically yeah. and not make a bunch of crazy decisions not throw crap tons of money at it and i know it's like seems like not that big of a deal from the outside like oh they're adding another region but that they're not just throwing regions everywhere for the sake of having regions everywhere there are plenty of games that have regions where there's just not enough quality play happening i have been impressed with the level of play and the consistency across teams that i've seen in the rlcs over the past season and the fact that they believe that the south american region is strong enough to give it its own esports reason region is actually very telling 
Yeah. And, and we also can expect an Immortals team from there as well, I'm <laughs> yes. assuming. They don't have a Rocket League team, so it would make sense. No, my, once in that market even more. And, uh, you know, the RLCS is just great. And Rocket League itself is a, a, a game that I, I see more and more everywhere. And I'm, I was like on a, a ferry ride. And there I don't even know if there how there was internet, but this dude was playing Rocket League. I'm like, all right, cool. Go for it. Like, literally just throws out a laptop on a ferry and starts playing. I'm like, cool. All right, there's more Rocket League everywhere. Like, so I, I think it's, uh, I think it's great that they are expanding, and I think it's great that they're they're taking these small bites or small regions. And although South America is not necessarily a small region, but they're taking small steps uh, towards expanding and not just be like, we're now going to add forty new teams or whatever franchising. We signed up with Wessa, and we've included these nineteen <laughs> yeah. teams. Yeah, Splice has four teams. We don't know why, but they do. It's just uh, yeah. So it's. It's good. Um, Rocket League is an amazing game. It's growing. Uh, NBC needs to figure out why they keep wanting to change that formula. <laughs> um, two, but two. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't understand great. it. So this will give them four total regions now. So Rocket League kicked off in 2016 with the RLCS featuring North America and Europe. In 2017, they added the Oceania region. Uh, right now, it's not clear if we are going to see South America in Season 7. We're currently in Season 6 right now. Um but we will see if they get them in there in time for the September kickoff of season seven, or if we will not see them until season eight. But you know, kudos to the RLCS. Uh, moving on, a little regionality news I thought was kind of interesting. So the Misfits have announced a plan to open an arena in Berlin. So uh, Misfits Gaming they've announced this plan. They're planning on putting this showcase stadium, as they're calling it, um, in West Berlin. Uh, they want to have an area where visitors can come, streamers can be streaming, they can visit pro players, they can do, you know, meet and greet events, watch parties, things of that nature. Um, now, we do have regionality coming to League of Legends in some way, franchising at least, coming to the EU LCS coming up. So mm-hmm. this could be a play for that, like we're putting that investment, or they already know something that we don't know, and they're going to be part of that franchising already. It's hard to tell, but it's certainly an interesting move. I think regionality, we haven't talked about this a whole lot when it comes to the regionality point, but I think regionality in Europe is a lot easier to pull off, both from a Mm -hmm. travel standpoint and just because it's more country-based as opposed to city-based than what you would see in NALCS or, you know, like we've talked about with the Overwatch League. And this is an interesting move because I don't know necessarily that Riot hasn't had any discussions about regionality or playing at areas other than the Riot Studios. But it does bring up an interesting point as we start to see more and more infrastructure put in place to support these teams. So be- before they chose to back out of the crazy wackadoo version of the EU LCS they had. Uh, <laughs> you you mean the one with 22 it. teams? and Right. But they were going to play out of like three regions. I think it was like London. It was maybe even Berlin and like Paris. Right? Yes, they had yeah. they named like three different cities. Correct. Uh, so obviously. Allegedly. Allegedly, right? Whatever. Uh, I heard it at the <laughs> it, But it, it makes sense that they'd want to hop into Berlin, uh, pick up, uh, have an arena established, especially if there's going to be any kind of EU LCS growth or regionality. Uh, maybe it's a vie to maybe get uh, uh, that spot or you know, in Berlin if there is a regionality piece and the Misfits want it. Although we saw, what was it? Uh, Hollywood Hammers had their own. St- uh, they partnered with the TV company, had rented, like, basically... Oh, the, the Chinese the theater studios. in L.A. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Hoping to get an Overwatch team, and that didn't happen. Uh, that so, was the last time you heard about that, by the way. 
Yeah. Again, maybe this is, it could be a smart move. It could be something uh, uh, preemptive. Maybe, maybe they know something already and it's going to happen. Um, I would hate for that to be another Hollywood hammers. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously Misfits is in a much different position than the hammers were compared to the overwatch league. Like Misfits already competing in EU LCS, um, much more established organization than I believe the hammers were. But it is, it is an interesting point. I think even if you're not talking about immediate regionality in League of Legends, there has been an uptick in activity around these like one-off esports areas. I think the esports and arena in Las Vegas is the perfect right. example of this. Like Every time I've been there, there's always some small tournament going on or there's some event, which usually means I can't actually go in and experience the esports arena because I'm not entering whatever <laughs> rando event they're doing. But there's a lot of people that show up and deal with that. We've also seen these watch parties spring up throughout the country, specifically mm-hmm. around the Overwatch League. Overwatch League has done a lot to promote these watch parties during major Overwatch League events, and people show up in pretty good numbers to check this out, whether it's in a local bar or a local area. So if you want this Misfits-branded arena, and even if you're not playing in Berlin, if Misfits fans who do not live near the Riot Studios in Europe want to go and tr- check out misfits with other misfits fans this seems like a good way to do it and move the brand forward i'd love to see some of these larger brands you know tsm immortals do something like this this seems like a good step in the right direction without having to support an entire stadium yeah i think it would be more impressive i think if they had um partnered with a production company like a, a larger production company like Again, with ESL, and they have their own arena space, whatever it may be. Um, I think something that came out today where ESL was partnering with uh, some kind of music service for their own uh, their own brand for like streaming, or sorry, their own label for music designated specifically for streaming. You mean uh, something, something other than Monster Cat, which everybody on the planet uses? Right, right, exactly. Including Essentially, they're the creating a Monster Cat, um, and so. Those kinds of things, I think, are much more uh, malleable. You can, you can, um, an arena like this, you want to be able to host multiple events, locking it into just a team. It seems like a bad idea. It seems like it's going to sit vacant <laughs> for a part of the time, right? And Misfits isn't a huge brand. No, it in is all not. honesty, in esports, um, I feel if anything has dropped off considerably, uh, largely due to, I would say, League of Legends and in, in North America. Um, becoming franchises right and so it, it it's I, I i also feel like this is normal news now <laughs> right someone's opening an arena and that's just what they're going to do there's another esports establishment being built yeah and it is it's weird commonplace now as of now misfits only has a league of legends team they have their academy team which i believe is going to go away in some meaningful way when uh franchising comes to the eu lcs as well as they're, a few they're going to work Smash at the arena. players and that's it <laughs> They have an entire arena for these two teams. So they're definitely well on the smaller side, well on the not as successful as his other organizations, even in EU LCS, as far as like wider esports is concerned. But we also don't know the size of this. Like it's going to be in some sort of shopping center, I believe. So maybe this is like when you go to like those gutted out malls in the Midwest and it's just a bunch of yeah. like knockoff anime DVDs and then the Misfits gaming center. Well, when, so. they, when they say a five player in parentheses, in parentheses showcase stadium i feel like that's uh that's like a real estate term for for like 
quaint and cozy or you know <laughs> it's just like two tables with a black cloth over it and some computers right. set up and then like a row of folding chairs because it actually does yeah. take a decent amount of space i was thinking about this like if you think about the e-league arena for example which does not host a whole lot of physical butts in the seats at the e-league arena still takes up a tremendous amount of space that is just needed for like production gear and casting and the stage and they're not like they're not wasting space at the Turner Studios for the Ely Arena. Like, there's like this giant, cozy backstage no. area or anything. So, no. you need a pretty large amount of space to do something that I would consider an esports arena as opposed to a, what this is going to be. Gotta have a closet for some podcasters to hang out and record from. You do. Like, and a lot of Cheez Its. You need a closet for yeah. nothing but Cheez Its. So, is, is it bad that the, I think the Cheez It pillows had more space? Than we in a did? swankier room than we did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Cheez-Its pillows are higher in the hierarchy at E-League than we are. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. That they was, actually, that was when we clear. showed up, they're like, are, are you here for the Cheez-It pillows? Like, no, we're actually <laughs> here to talk about eSports. And then when we asked oh. if we could have a Cheez-It pillow, you would have thought we'd asked if we could steal equipment because they were like <laughs> horrified at the thought of us taking a Cheez-It pillow. Oh, man. Moving on. A unicorn, which we have not talked about in a while. In a little bit of trouble. So they have been, if you're not familiar with Unicorn, they are an esports betting platform. I believe they are based in Seattle, if I remember correctly. They were bought out by a German company, so they're mostly German in Germany now. But yeah. Ah, damn it. They were uh, slapped with a class action lawsuit last week alleging that the startup bypassed security measures by offering their Unicorn Gold tokens to the public. So the gist here is that they were they created a their own cryptocurrency or whatever you want to call it to get around security measures specifically around betting because they're claiming that people are betting Unicoin as opposed to real cash, right. which is right. kind of what we see with CSGO all the time, right? Like we're not betting, mm-hmm. we're betting skins, we're betting items, we're betting in-game currency, we're not betting actual dollars, but somebody called bullshit on Unicorn because they're probably a little bit easier to go after than a Valve is. Um, and this could actually have a, some consequences here. Now, what is interesting is this is happening in parallel as sports betting starts to become legal. So now you're going to start seeing all these esports discussions be around the age of the people betting because the esports audience trends much younger than your average traditional sports audience. Um, but this is going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Well, then the traditional sports audience would love to know what Ethereum is. But uh, <laughs> no, I think the the problem that they ran into here is that you could resell the UKG, uh, the Unicorn Gold coins. And that's where it becomes more of a quote-unquote investment, uh, more so like a, like a stock, right? You can buy and sell a stock, not just buy and then bet um, and then cash out yourself. But you could sell it to somebody else, essentially. And that's where you have to start getting into like the whole securities and exchange commission stuff, the SEC regulations, all that fun jazz. Um, Sounds like Unicorn just needs to finish their move to Germany. <laughs> it's a, and that's what I was going to say. That's probably just what's going to happen. And so it's just going to totally uproot uh, from Seattle. And uh, the thing is, it's like the funny part is like the guy who's starting this only put in like $2,800 to begin with, like early on. And so you here you have someone who just, put in $2,800 worth of money to, for betting when they, they, he's called an investor, but that's not, I mean, it's essentially what everybody is who buys a stock, right? You're right, investing right. into a company in some way, shape or form. I, I'm an investor so, in Amazon because I own a share of Amazon stock. But. Right, right, right. Uh, and so in that case, like, so it's a little, it's a little misleading in the title. It makes it sound like one of the original founding members is suing his own company, but it's not that, that uh, it's someone who essentially has bought 
some unicorn gold. Yes. Considers himself an investor. Maybe they're an early adopter. And now it's like buying mad. Bitcoin and then suing one of the Bitcoin exchanges and calling yourself an investor of Bitcoin. Like yep, it's pretty much. It sounds more flashy in the headline clickbait articles, but it is. I think it does have a lot of legal repercussions, both for betting, cryptocurrency, and things just generally in esports and how betting is going to continue to be this weird shade of gray in esports because that extra level of digital currency that happens that does not happen in traditional sports betting makes a huge difference it's not the same thing as going to Skybet and putting 200 dollars on manchester united this is going and buying whether it's skin whether it's a token of some sort and then going after you do that and being able to exchange that for more value the amount of betting that is going on can also increase the value of the actual coin itself so it's in this weird scenario where it's not just like a one-to-one exchange where it's always like a dollar for a dollar but it could be a dollar for a dollar 20 by the time you're done and you're also betting with it it's a it's a very weird system it seems like unicorn was trying to both be like a cryptocurrency as well as be a betting platform and it's actually the mixture of the two that's causing the legal problems yeah and that's the thing it's got them in hot water and we'll see maybe they'll just be a full-on germany or german company and uh no longer do the whole like screw you sec we we don't want anything to do with you peace out we're taking our we're taking our unicorn gold and running (laughs) running with it We've got our blockchain unicorns, and we don't need other Americans anymore. Moving on, let's talk some Overwatch League. So we did get a little bit of Gamescom news, which is great. You know, it's it was a little bit that leaked out. But let's talk first about what we did see come out of Gamescom. Most importantly to the esports audience is the new control map, Busan, which is, I personally think, one of the coolest maps they've done because the three areas are drastically different from each other we're gonna get a sanctuary area we get the mecha diva base which if you saw the new diva animated short that came out uh is is featured very heavily and then we get like a downtown cityscape kind of thing that was based on busan to the point where they even said they went and filmed and recorded sounds from busan to stick into the map itself which is really cool but the coolest part of this map for me is that when you play reinhardt if you go up to the microphone in the city area in front of the karaoke machine, he will actually sing songs to the karaoke machine before the really? master. Yes, there's videos of it on Twitter. It like it, it's my life right now. Like I, I think every <laughs> character needs these karaoke emotes, and that I should just live my entire life sitting there and like not actually competing in Busan, but just uh, listening to the sweet, sweet voice of my boy Reinhardt. Now, the, the thing that I noticed right away, uh, I can't remember which version, because I only got to watch a couple minutes of of, um, of the, the map being played. So I'm not sure which one. I think it's the one where you have the, the f- five different rooms. Uh, it's Diva's Mech, the Mecha base. Yeah, the Mecha base. The mecha base. Yeah, and so if you, um, on the wall is a video game being played, and it's a Blizzard game. It's the fighting game. And it's a fighting arcade. game. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Fighting game Blizzard. So this is, what do they yeah. call it? They call it Fighters of the Storm, I think is what it's called in game. So, so yeah. this is also present in some of the arcade levels. Um, right. Like Hanamura and a few others that have arcade machines have this, like, Fighters of the Storm. But Blizzard's just like, it's know. like they hurt us. And they're like, we're just going to tease those guys they're, with this fighting I know. game. And, I know. Again, it's being teased. What's going to happen is they're going to end up announcing something, knock on wood. And when it, when it does, it will be like, it's 
been there all along. We've just nobody's paid <laughs> yeah, any Everyone's going to act all shocked, like, "Oh, there was all these yeah. tips." If you watch the game, like the release date is on the. If you add up the scores of the first player, the second player is a release date or something crazy. But yeah, so Busan's already on the PTR. So if you want to check it out, you can do so now. Uh, we do not have a release date yet, nor is it available on consoles. Obviously, um, the other thing that came out of the cinematic is now everybody wants the entire the entire mecha team because during the animated short they show like all of diva's team which includes various different mechs that all look like they have different designs obviously different pilots so now everybody's mm-hmm. like great when are we gonna get all those the answer is probably never um, but it would be cool if we could get some legendary like what we need is a set of legendary skins that turns diva into those different parts of her team now that yeah it, would be awesome it's essentially like a, a little homage to voltron right the different yes. colors and the different mechs yeah protecting yep. the the city uh, oh my that, god if we could get a, where's the animated yeah. show where they combine yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stop with this whole we just want different colored diva stuff. We want we want Voltron. We want Voltron. It. We want Voltron. We need Korean Voltron. And unicorn gold. And, yeah. <laughs> unicorn gold. I'm gonna buy my Mecha Voltron with unicorns. Uh moving on. Overwatch League players are tired. Shocker. Um <laughs> yeah. I know I'm surprised by this, but this is coming up repeatedly because players are continuing to drop out of either the All-Star game or the Overwatch World Cup, citing exhaustion from playing during the Overwatch League season. You and I have been speculating on this being a potential problem for basically since they announced the format. It just seems like the Overwatch League was going to run so long and so intensely. And for teams, Neptuno is the, the latest, like who was part of the Philadelphia Fusion. They made it all the way to the end. They've just been playing a massive amount of Overwatch. They have to go. We already have heard many, many stories about how these players are practicing for 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day without breaks. Right. Um, or wins if you're Shanghai. Or, yeah, breaks, wins, Shanghai. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but it's true. Um, why are you going to want to participate in the Overwatch World Cup where it's mostly voluntary? Um, there's also not a lot of incentive for the teams to let their players, and we haven't talked a whole lot about this, but. It's a Blizzard-sanctioned event, but it is not part of Overwatch League. And if I'm the Philadelphia Fusion or whatever team and one of my players is in the Overwatch World Cup, I don't know that I necessarily want them competing in it because I'd like them to spend this like three, four-month-long break getting ready for next season, re, you know, deal with the burnout, like get mentally clear. There was a lot right. of problems last season with people getting burned out. And we're seeing this come out when players are like, you know what? I don't necessarily want to participate in this. This is just more freaking Overwatch. But you know, this is essentially the uh, your once a year annual chance to play with XQC, uh, long as he's not banned. <laughs> Despite his best efforts, yes, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, they, they've taken away his keyboard, so he can't type in chat, um, and his microphone, uh, and any kind of object he can bang or throw around him. So. He he's actually um, playing in a bubble this time around. Probably yes. should cone of silence. Yes, Hammond. So. He's only allowed to play uh, Wrecking Ball. That's it. Oh, good lord! I don't, even, ne- I don't ne- know where Tuto, like late. this reads like a professional wrestler who needs to take a break. Like kidney stones, tonsillitis, stomach acid problems, sleep problems. Like the difference between yeah traditional athletes and esports athletes is. The act of playing the game for long, long hours is not the physical health benefits that it can be for, like, preparing <laughs> right. for, like, say, basketball or football, right? Like, you take your average European football player, and those guys can run for 90 minutes straight, and they're at the tip-top of fitness. And it's not to say there's not injuries and things of that nature, but, like, you're helping yourself health-wise by being physically prepared to play the sport. Esports is 
like physically draining, mentally draining, but not in a way that actually moves your health forward and a lot of ways causes your health to regress. And that's actually a huge problem. Like sitting in front of a computer for 16, 18 hours is not healthy. I don't care how you slice it. And that's what we're asking these players to do for a significant amount of the year. And yeah, screw you. If I'm a professional Overwatch player and you ask me to play in the All-Star game of the World Cup, I'm going to tell you, you know what? I think I'd rather just like sleep and hit the gym, go outside where the sun's shining, unless you're like in Seattle right now where there's smoke everywhere. Um, but like, it's, <laughs> like, get outside, not be part of Overwatch for like three or four months. I'd much rather want that as a team owner or manager than having them, you know, get some extra time in front of the game in the Overwatch World Cup. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely good for them to take a break for mental and physical health reasons. Um, and, you know, it's also better for them to practice with their own teams versus another team and learn other strats. I mean, there's no real benefit strategically. It might just be gameplay-wise. Um, but this is also another way that maybe they can find new talent. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I totally get it. That was It's a long season, and now you're trying to basically... It's like an NBA player going to, like you know, Lithuania and playing ball during the middle of the, the, the break just because, right? It, it's There's no real reason for it. Uh, I'm sure there's some monetary compensation for it in some way, shape, or form. But it's more so for, like, the fun of it. And when the fun of it is taken out of it because you're just so tired or you're, I don't know, th- passing kidney stones. <laughs> like, that's not cool. Uh, so, yeah, I totally get that some of these people are, are tired. And I think some of these other people, too... Uh, are getting maybe even kicked from teams uh, right now, and it's more important for them to focus on getting onto another team, or maybe this is a good thing for them. Like if you're um, the San Francisco Shock right now, and like a 30-year roster went. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it's. I'm glad that the the World Cup does exist, though. I, I'm not going to say it's like a bad thing, but. I'd rather yeah. see it feature like up and coming players or things of that nature. And I know that's not maybe the quality of play is not as exciting. But I, I still think, or even like players that are too young to complete in the Overwatch League. I mean, we saw some of the best moments of the Overwatch World Cup at BlizzCon yeah, last Flower. year was Flower, who was not even like old enough to qualify to play for Overwatch League this past season. So I think that's a good opportunity. I think it's another opportunity for people who are not signed to teams to get a chance to showcase. And if the league is going to continue to expand, which I can get, this is not going to happen forever. But, you know, we're adding a bunch of teams this season. I imagine we'll add even more next season. It's a good showcase for those unsigned players to go and play. And, like, yeah, maybe if you're on the shock and you just got let go, then maybe you go and play in the Overwatch World Cup and you give yourself an opportunity to show off as you're trying to sign contracts. Because right now, up until September, any team can sign them. And then once the September window kicks off, then expansion teams, which there's going to be, you know, four to six of them, if rumors are to be believed, are going to get your shot and you want to show what you're capable of some of the players like um one of the players on the san francisco shock had not played most of the season like if you just rode the bench in the overwatch league what people don't know actually what you're capable of and this is for you to give you a chance to get in front of those people so i'd love to see it become that as opposed to an additional burden on the professional players that are clearly already burnt the, out the bench the bench warmers league Yes, that's fine. I mean, World Cup. It's probably higher quality play than contenders, and I'm not trying to knock contenders. I'm just saying, like, if you think about it, like, there's there's starters in the Overwatch League, and then there's the top players and contenders plus the people that have either not found starting positions in the Overwatch League or have not been signed yet or have been let go. That's a good pool of players to pull from for the World yeah. Cup, in my opinion. Well, for now, but I mean, next year now they've got teams that can play in contenders or on sister teams or whatever it may be. Uh, the, I mean, the the new rules, the roster rules will change that. Right, so the two, bench the players should get stuff. a chance to play more. So uh, your plan sucks. It's only <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, then you know uh, what? You and I should play in the Overwatch so. World Cup. Someone should vote me in. If XQC can yeah, get in, do it. 
Well, I think I have I more social responsibility. He's a better player. You just got to pick which your pick your poison, right? Like, I suck, but at least Maybe. I'm not going to drop anything <laughs> negative on a stream. I think time will only tell. <laughs> Thanks for the support. Oh, man. Uh, Overwatch League is not done signing content deals. It was announced today that they have a multi-year content deal with Twitter, which is going to result in two things. One is going to result in the Watchpoint, which is their pre-game slash post-game show, uh, will be streamed on Twitter via Overwatch League's Twitter handle, which just seems like they're going to post the video to the Overwatch League Twitter, I guess. Um, and they also is going to provide the Overwatch League is going to provide Twitter with highlight video high, real time video highlights to Twitter. This will be an interesting integration. I have not spent enough time watching how Twitter has done the NFL to see if there's anything they do around highlights. Traditionally, it's just streaming the game. Um, this is going to open up all the issues that you and I discuss all the time when it comes to Twitter and video. Uh, esports or not, which is just like discoverability of streaming video on Twitter is still like super weird. It's not easy to come across. Uh, there, obviously, if you don't follow along, Twitter has made another massive push to basically neuter third-party clients in their continued efforts to make people go to their subpar uh, native experience that they've had for years, despite buying up <laughs> all the good Twitter apps and then killing them. Um, so I someone's, clearly have a little bit someone, of anger here. Yeah, I love, to, I, I love Tweetbot, and I hate them for doing this to me. That uh, whole thing about not saying anything horrible on stream might just get ruined right now <laughs> because you're on a Twitter rant. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Twitter, but it's true. It is true. They're neutering third-party clients to drive people to first-party clients, and some of that may be because a lot of these features are not available in third-party clients, and if you're trying to get people to, say, watch you know, NFL or the Overwatch League on Twitter, you need to do it where you can control the experience and have a better chance of driving people to that content because Twitter is not Twitch. It's not YouTube. And we've talked about this with Facebook. Like, I still don't know where the hell I'm supposed to go on Facebook to watch a live stream video. <laughs> like, takes work. Um, Twitter is just as bad. Like, occasionally they'll do something stupid, like just like inject it into the top of my feed, but that's not done for everybody. It's all done algorithmically, depending on whether they think you care about esports or not. So it's. It's weird. I mean, kudos for Overwatch League, man. You can just pluck the money from wherever the hell you want to at this point. Like, they should have content deals with everybody. Like, we're just going to follow Malik around while he eats a box of Cheez-Its, and we're going to sell that to Hulu, <laughs> and then we're going to make a 15-minute video about it. But if you can do well, it, great. Uh, I don't know if it's the, the smartest move for Twitter, though. The crazy part is, is that, um, you know, Blizzard has the deal with Twitch, but it's evidently just strictly for streaming rights or whatever it may be. And so they've splintered up their rights so much that they're getting by and they're maximizing it, right? As much as humanly possible. You can get highlight reels, you can get this, that, and the other. Uh, it's scary. It's kind of reminds you of like a lot of uh, along lines what like Premier League does, right? Like you can only watch these videos in certain countries. Oh, or, I know. It's so you, know, you have to pay, you have to pay millions of dollars table. to tell people what the damn score is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so they're kind of going down that same route or doing that same model. And I mean, kudos to them if they're able to get more money out of it. But like, I hope in the long run that this just doesn't become a hindrance. I mean, I think now um, it's not a huge deal because most people don't necessarily know how to watch video on, on Twitter. I mean, you can. It usually just has to like pop up. But uh it's I mean, not going to be I the primary it, way people consume this content, no. right? Like, you need it's to come not, up with it, a creative way to. The reason why those highlight packages work for traditional sports is because the companies that buy the rights to that, Bleacher Report is a perfect example. Bleacher Report goes out and buys the highlights of the NBA. They are buying it to do interesting, unique things right. with it in order to drive audience. And it's worth it to the NBA. They make money on it, and that content is used 
I don't see Twitter's play here because what interesting thing is Twitter going to do other than just like throw it in a moments, right? Like they're going to make a Twitter moments for the Overwatch League. It's going to have a bunch of exclusive highlights, but they're not exclusive because I can just watch a damn thing on every place that the Overwatch League is streamed. So it's just not as interesting. You don't have an esports content team that is going out there and doing unique and interesting things, calling out these highlights in some sort of like esports weekly show, like what is on Mixer or anything like what Bleacher Report does with highlights, even in esports. So it's just a weird play. I think Twitter's like making this weird content grab, but you have to be willing to do interesting stuff with that content when your platforms, it's not even your secondary or tertiary like responsibility. I don't know where in the hierarchy of things people use Twitter for live video is pretty low down that totem pole. Yeah. So like, it just seems like a weird use of content and a weird thing to pay for. But I mean, sure go Twitter. I mean, maybe the, the highlight package or the, the bite size stuff is what they want. I mean, I know like even Facebook is making a huge push for like three to five minute long stuff. Well, they want to throw uh, and not stories. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, I don't know the actual streaming portion of it. The, the thing that I don't necessarily like about the streaming portion, and I know that's not what they have entirely, it's not like they actually have the, the, the matches themselves, is that you can't like adjust quality very well on it. It's just usually not as good as watching it on Twitch or another platform. And it's not like you can have it integrated into like an Apple TV, Fire TV, anything like that. Right. So you're not really like, the, your options are even more limited. I'm going to so. stream it on my phone in a crappy experience if I can yeah. find it. Yeah, I feel like if, if you're going to watch it, you're going to, on a platform, you need to at least have the base level uh, functionality, right? And so <laughs> repurpose that Twitch stream. There you go. <laughs> Embed it in your tweet. <laughs> make, make life a little bit easier, I guess. But, I mean, if you're going to sit on your phone and watch it on Twitter, you're just going to switch to the Twitch app and watch it. So Yeah, I think, I think honestly, how you're first going to see it show up is you're going to go to the search tab in the native Twitter experience, and you're going to go to those trends for you or moments for you, and they're going to push Overwatch League to the top of that for yeah, people who believe yeah. the care. And I'm going to swipe through a bunch of Twitter moments that feature highlights, which is fine. Like that's cool, um, but Overwatch League could just do that. Yeah. So I don't know. Yep. We'll see. But uh, kudos to Overwatch League. Keep raking in the money while you can before people get hip to the game. And right now, that is clearly what is going on. Moving right along, uh, let's get into the first of our. We're gonna try to split up the results, so we're not talking about results all night long. But let's talk a little bit about the results from the past weekend's esports. And the first one, which is, I'll be honest, first time in a very, very long time I've consumed some Call of Duty. Uh, the Call of Duty World League Finals took place uh, in Columbus, Ohio, of all places, at the Nationwide Arena. Shout out to our boys in Columbus, uh, including Seven, actually, who's right here, so I'll wave at him. Uh, it was actually interesting. So if you're not familiar with the Call of Duty setup, I'm going to give you a little bit of, like, for the uninitiated, mostly because, quite honestly, I was uninitiated going into this, but it takes a little bit to wrap your head around about around what exactly is happening because they do play three different game modes. So they have the hardpoint game mode, which is kind of like this interesting hybrid control map type situation where there's different points on the map that they have to control for certain amounts of time. You're building up score, and that hardpoint moves around the map. So you have to kind of transition from point to point. Uh, it forces, you know, it actually is interesting because it keeps you from just getting on the point and like bunkering down for 300 seconds. Like you actually have to, or 250, I think it actually is. Um, so that was interesting. And there's Search and Destroy, which is probably the closest thing for you call of or for you CSGO fans to a traditional CSGO match. There's like kill everybody, it's four v four, kill everybody, and or drop the bomb and defuse the bomb. So it's pretty similar to CSGO. And then we get traditional capture the flag type gameplay as well. So they rotate through that. 
Um, and this was interesting because Evil Geniuses, who made it to the finals recently, got reverse swept, almost ended up in the same situation again where they made it to the finals. Right. They went up 2-0 on Team Caliber only to get reverse swept. Now, this is the... Um, you have to double elimination, so they basically they were coming out of the winner's bracket, so they had to do a reset, and then they got better as time went on. But it was yeah. it was very it was very interesting. The other thing that just blows my mind about Call of Duty, and I'll let you talk for a minute, but the other thing that blows my mind about Call of Duty is how much <laughs> money is available from an esports yeah. perspective for Call of Duty. Um, I saw a lot of people making fun of the rings. Like Call of Duty is very much leading into the bro culture. It's very there's lots of sports type chants going on in the crowd, and they get championship rings. But there's a metric shit ton of money. Four point two million dollars in prize money was up for grabs, yeah. with one point five million going to Evil Geniuses alone. Like that is a hell of a prize pool. Was it one point? Or sorry, one point five. Sorry, one point five in the championship spread out. Four point two yes. for the entire season. So right, yeah, that, that's a crap ton of money when you look at some of the prize pools that are floating around in other games. Um, yeah, so it, it was definitely my first time consuming it. Is super interesting to watch. Um, it took me a little while to wrap my head around, but also probably some really like if you're going to watch Call of Duty for the first time, this was a hell of a match to watch. Yeah, it was definitely back and forth quite a bit. Um, I mean, EG going up two zero and then getting reverse swept by caliber it was just ridiculous um i was I, I had my notes around here i think it was um i'm trying to think as a pharaoh i it was basically the turning point for for caliber yep. I, it, he was on uh, i think it might have actually been the search and destroy he was able to do like a a 4v1 and and, and hold out and basically take it um and kind of just some amazing clutch plays definitely on on caliber he was uh, someone to be feared. It was always like if if he was up, it, this round wasn't over. It wasn't a guaranteed win. Uh, so he did a lot of it. And he's, I think he only just turned 18 too. So yep. still uh, really young in the scene. So got a great career ahead of him. And, uh, but again, when he, after that reset, EG just kind of came together and just three uh, owed caliber. Yeah, they scared like, me okay, there for we'll a play. second because they went two zero, and then that third map on the after the reset was like, oh god, is this going to happen again? But they were able to pull it together. It's actually, some really great play. Yeah, the the final map will end up being search and destroy, which they they actually did really well against caliber uh, the first time around. The but first two search up, and destroy rounds lasted like right. eight seconds apiece. It was absurd. Yeah, it, it it was it was pretty brutal. But in the um, the first round of before the one that got the reverse swept on, they were up and then came back and lost it. So even though they were up at one point in time, I think like five to one or four to one, you still never felt like, well, you know, they were kind of here before and got swept and got it reversed on them. Um, but they just they were really heavily handedly like winning uh, search and destroy. It was not even close, like you'd said. And so. I think EG came out and and did really really well. Um, e United had a, a pretty good run. I think um, they weren't happy with it. Very emotional when they did lose. Um, but you know, I think the, we talk about the, there's a kind of like there's like this bro culture, and I, I feel like I need to kind of rescind that a little bit. I think these guys are just really really into this, um, and there's there's a place for it. I think there's been a lot of talk about Dota two having this mentality of like letting people kind of goof around and, and play the game and do what they want to do, and uh, emerge as personalities. They kind of uh, I don't know do meme stuff where Overwatch is kind of cold, right? And and won't let people. Overwatch do is like the NFL, uh, where yeah, like nobody's but, I mean, allowed Overwatch, to have personalities. <laughs> 
has plenty of problems. Um, so does the NFL. You know, like we'll, we'll we'll take spousal abuse and trade it for being a racist on stream. Like there, it, yeah, it's very well, anomalous between the two. No, you're making a good point. Like I do think like certain games have certain personalities, and the Overwatch right. League definitely like is trying to have a lot of control while also having a lot of problems, which is very synonymous with how the NFL operates. Right. Where some of the other leagues take the more NBA esque approach. Where ironically, like while you hate some of the players more because they're allowed to get their personality out more, they have far less of the actual like systemic problems that we tend to talk about on this show a lot right but i mean if you look at you know uh, united i think it's like the luminosity matchup um you know you got clayster standing up and like trying to like bring the crowd up he's like yeah i'll start yelling you know just that kind of stuff you don't see in overwatch when was the last time you saw anybody stand up in the middle of a match and try oh, to get the they, crowd they into get it fined, in, in like five thousand dollars and suspended yeah. for two games <laughs> Exactly. So it's cool that they're interacting with the crowd more, trying to get it more pumped up. They're really high energy. And even though that, you know, they still had uh, a chance to come back and, and, and play another round because they had lost, they got knocked down. When they got knocked down to the losers, it was just like super, uh, they felt like super defeated. But I was like, you know, you're down in the losers bracket. Like you, you can still make it. Uh, and they had a pretty good run. I think they made what, like top eight, top. Yeah, I think they made top eight, um, maybe even top four. And they lost out to FaZe, I believe. But uh, in the end, solid run from them. I think if you look at the actual like prize pool distribution, I think they still walk away with like $80,000 or like $100,000. It's ridiculous. Uh, if you even made it to like the final brackets, you're guaranteed at least like $80,000, I think. Yeah, the check uh, that went to Evil Geniuses was $600,000 for a four-person yep. team. So obviously they'll be – like even if you assume each one of those guys goes home with a hundred grand and two hundred grand goes to the organization, it's still nice. Now, the one thing that the Call yeah. of Duty World League currently is missing that we're hoping this rumor franchising will fix is that there is no minimum salary for Call of Duty players. If you're not winning, you're not necessarily making any money or at least not making right. decent money. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of interesting things because there were former EG players playing on Team Caliber. Uh, Team Caliber was also the favorites going into it. Like They were heavily favored. They were probably the best Call of Duty team in the world for the last month or two. And so this is a big deal for Evil, Evil Geniuses to end up pulling this out. But lots of interesting storylines going into it. Um, also, if you are interested in checking out Call of Duty, I believe the Black Ops 4 beta is starting to come out. There is an exclusive uh, private beta for PS4 players, and a second round of beta invites will go out after that period on the Xbox One on September 14th. So if you saw the Call of Duty World League, you liked what you saw, well, you can try out the newest version of that game that is coming out, um, inevitably with Battle Royale. So, you know, got to get in on that Battle Royale. Uh, we also had the Paris Major this week of Rainbow Six Siege, a game that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, so G2 Esports win out over Evil Geniuses. Evil Geniuses, this is interesting, because I feel like I've not weekend. uttered the word Evil Geniuses <laughs> in like years on this show. And then they find themselves, and in fact, I think I saw a tweet saying this earlier in the week, where Evil Geniuses have kind of fallen off as an organization and now find themselves in the finals of two major esports events. Uh, did not and- go as well for them. <laughs> In the Paris and doing well in, And they're doing well in Dota 2 right now. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. They're making their way through the international as well. So Evil Geniuses is raking in some cash. But that being said, this was a much more lopsided match than what we saw in Call of Duty. Uh, the Rainbow Six Paris Major saw a 3-0 of G2 against Evil Geniuses. But I think the thing that was most interesting to me about this matchup was how many early game advantages evil geniuses blew by either having it turned around on them running out of time on attack they lost this game and i don't want to take anything away from g2 because g2 played amazing there was some amazing work to turn those matches around but 
Evil Geniuses lost a lot of these matches themselves by either not giving themselves enough time, not having a clear strategy of how they were going to get to the bombs. Overall, it was it was both great and kind of sad to see because there were so many times where it looked like, oh, EG is going to turn it around. EG is going to turn it. Nope, nope, nope. Like I saw like a three one and a four one up where they turned around and like got refragged over and over again and ended up losing or ran out of time because they just yeah. couldn't get to the bomb in time. And it was just, it was interesting to see. But overall, like, I have to say, both production-wise and crowd-wise, Rainbow Six Siege continues to be an under-the-radar eSport that I don't think enough people give credit to. A smaller prize pool, but still $350,000 went to G2 for winning this. And that arena in Paris was rocking. And I saw something similar when I went to the um, Invitational in uh, Montreal as well, where those European-style audiences just really flock to Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six is very much more a European eSport than it tends to be here in the U.S. It's not a big eSport here, but they put it in Europe, and people show up, and they get loud, and they watch the whole thing. And obviously, there was a very G2-leaning uh, crowd in Paris, but it, it changed the whole event. It made the event so much more interesting to watch because they didn't have to do these like close, tight shots to make it look like there were a lot of people there, like the arena was packed. And it was, it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch, and they continue to make the spectacle spectator experience for that game better and better every time i watch it yeah they've they've made some marked improvements um i still think there's something to do maybe with color uh that you can kind of tell who is, is you know, the view that you're at i mean you can tell by the outlines of the other players and such but the actual person itself you, it takes you just a second to recognize who you're on so there's still some, some things they can colors. change it's like an esports pet peeve of mine where like a team is blue for half the match, and then they switch over and they're orange for half the match, and I get it, but it's never clear that that has happened. And like you said, it's like this like oh orange, who's orange? Let me see who's orange this yeah. round, and like look up. It's just like something that is missing that I feel like Overwatch League has largely solved with like the home and away concept and the uniforms matching primarily what the colors are of the outlines. And I think I'd like to see that implemented by more games because I do feel like it reduces the cognitive dissonance when you're watching. You know, and I don't even think it necessarily because they they fixed it where they stay one color the entire time now. So that's at least fixed within Rainbow Six. They they've learned that, but it, it doesn't have to be in the game itself. Just the the observer client. So because you know camouflage and cover are huge, huge, huge uh, part of gameplay within Rainbow Six, and so you can't just have, you know being brightly colored in Overwatch, whatever. It's not like you're hiding ducking down behind something and, and shooting through this tiny hole somewhere, right? So if you're bright orange, somebody can see the, you know, who's who. Uh, so, but I think they've done some amazing stuff to understanding like where they are in multi-levels because that's even a hard thing for CSGO, like Nuke and stuff. That's a really hard map to observe right. because you, you think two ship, you know, two people are about to engage and fight, but they end They're up like being on completely different levels and it's like two ships just passing in the night. They're not even there. So it's really hard to follow the action unless you're a really, really strong observer and you know what's going on but they've got the ability to kind of switch levels they tell you which level they're on there's the, they made marked improvements and it definitely uh feels a lot more solid than it did uh, last year and you can tell that they've been really working hard on it and i enjoyed it a lot i think uh, I think G2 deserve that win. I don't think Evil Geniuses threw it as much as you say. Um, I think uh, what happened largely is is anytime uh, they engaged G2, it was just, uh, you know, they never really got the advantage. Like, even if they did frag, there was a refrag right there to happen. And so they were almost always down a person uh, and just really strong stuff. But, um, yeah, G2 definitely deserved that win. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely I feel like there were many moments during the match where Evil Genius has started out not just with like an early frag, but a very key early frag, taking out an operative that was very important or it's appeared right. to be very important to the strategy of G2 and G2 give them all the credit in the world. They had the ability to adapt around those situations. Uh, Evil Geniuses just didn't seem to have that second part of the plan, right? Like, let's go in, let's take out this operative that we know is key for this particular map or this particular situation, and then do something. And G2 had debuted a lot of new strategies at this event, and it showed because they were able... I think a lot of the stall thing that was going on was that it was just very hard for Evil Geniuses to figure out once they got that initial advantage how to proceed. And there was a lot of defender wins for G2 for that reason where they were just like running out of time. Even if they got those refrags back on the G2, they just couldn't get there fast enough. A lot of like two ones with like 10 seconds left and not enough time to get to the site. And I think that showed. So I, I think... I think EG had the first step down well. I think the early game was very strong for EG throughout the entire tournament. I just think they struggled quite a bit, especially against G2 and figuring out what the hell to do on step two. But uh, very interesting. Like like you said, huge fan of Rainbow Six. I, I think it is still going to continue to struggle if you're not a huge fan of the game. There is a, so much that goes into this game. I would make the, and I'm going to make probably someone's going to fry me for this, but one of the most complicated esports to really understand everything that is going on outside of maybe a MOBA. Like, knowing what all the operatives can do, knowing all how their abilities interact with the map, knowing the right places to be in the map based on where the bomb is, all the setup. There's so much to absorb gameplay-wise, operative-wise, that if you are not a big fan of Rainbow Six, you can listen to the commentators and still not fully grasp everything that is going on. It's really hard for them. Like, they tell you what's going on, but do I understand what it means when they say, this wall is, this wall is fully soft, or it's partially soft, or they're reinforcing this, or we're going to do this with the hard cam, and they got the CCTV, and like... Do you really understand the implications of all those moves? That's really, really hard for them to purvey on stream, especially on stream for somebody who have, may have never played Rainbow Six or plays it casually. And that's going to continue to be a challenge for them. And they don't have the size audience that a League of Legends has, where like, ah, that's no big deal because there's 150 million people playing. Those people will figure, it, you know, there's enough people that will figure it out that like esports that will get it. We don't necessarily have that with Rainbow Six. But that being said, like you said, huge improvements over the last time we watched it last year. Continues to be a great esports program continues to be a great production and it gets better and better and ubisoft despite everybody being skeptical when they said it has stuck to their promise to stick with rainbow six siege as a multi-year game and a multi-year esport and that's been great to see yeah the follow-up is definitely there they've it's job well done <laughs> golf clap Moving on, the NBA 2K League is expanding. So one of the things that you and I had pointed out when 2K League launched last year was that the game was missing from some major NBA markets. And that is being not fully fixed, but largely fixed with the four new teams that are coming in. This is going to expand the league out to 21 total teams, seeing the uh, 2K League expand to the Atlanta Hawks, the Brooklyn Nets, the LA Lakers, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So this now puts them in Atlanta, which as we continues to be a theme over the past few months. Atlanta continuing to be a esports hub, now getting a 2K League franchise. Going to New York with the Brooklyn Nets, obviously a big deal. Um, the Clippers do not have a team right now, so this is the first team in the Lakers in LA, which is a big deal. 
And then obviously the Minnesota Timberwolves, not as big of a deal, but still four more franchises. So this is now 21 of the 30 NBA franchises affiliated with the 2K League. The uh, franchise fee, so to speak, of $750,000 has not gone up and was paid by these four franchises. I mean, shows some value, clearly, despite what I would think are relatively subpar numbers from a streaming perspective for that amount of investment, I think they see it as more, again, like how most esports start out, is they see it as more of a marketing thing. They see it more of as a way to get a younger audience involved in the sport. All these sports, regardless of what they are, obviously to varying degrees, are aging out their audiences. NBA is doing much better than most other leagues, and I give them all the credit in the world for starting early and not waiting till baseball until it's too freaking late and your average age of your audience is like in their 50s. Um, but the NBA doing what they always and they're savvy marketers. The teams are starting to see the value in this. And 21 of the 30 teams in season two, not a bad look for the NBA. No, not at all. And it makes sense for them to do the investment because it's, it's not a huge monetary investment for them. I think the majority of everything was kind of uh, done out of New York studio anyways. Uh, so it, they're not really in their arenas just yet. Yep. So, But if it again, you're putting money forward that if in the future it becomes large enough and you've got regionality already kind of built into the NBA and you can you can start putting butts in the seat in an arena during downtimes, like it makes perfect sense. Uh, it's a little bit of a long game for them. Um, and I think 2K definitely had some, or so the uh, NBA 2K League had uh, an, an improvement at the end of the uh, end of the season. Started seeing more numbers or better numbers, but you, yep. again, you don't know like what kind of deals were made to maybe help boost those numbers, uh, <laughs> yes. or or how much is going to come back, right? Uh, and so I I I think season two will be a lot more telling. Um, and I think uh, once you have all the teams up and going, um, that'll probably be. You know, I, I think season two, after season two, we'll see all the teams. Yep. Um, I don't think anybody will, will be able to hold out because they're, they're just kind of losing, right? They're well, losing I, out on, on that audience. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that people were waiting to see how it would work, not just from an audience standpoint, but I think as you've alluded to in the past, like this was kind of rushed. 2K, the not developers rushed, were not yeah. super stoked about some of the asks the NBA had to put into the game. But now they have the basics in here of these, you know, pr- these players that are specific to the people playing in the league. They have done a lot on the production side of things. There's a lot of camera issues early on where the people were just not liking the camera angle that they chose, and they've made adjustments to that. Uh, there's still some challenges there. The meta, I think the most interesting thing to me is I read this uh, article the other day about how the meta of NBA 2K is not nearly as interesting as the meta of the NBA. They don't mirror each other very well, where the NBA is very fast right now. It's very small balls, very three-pointer focused, a la the you know Golden State Warriors. Three-pointers are actually very hard to hit in 2K right now, and the it is done a lot more like big ball, close-in shots, and it's not that it's not interesting. It's just not reflecting the current product. So I'll be interested to see if there are tweaks made to the game specifically to try to open up the game more, make it play faster, make three-pointers easier to hit make it so that this mirrors more of the product that people are used to seeing on the court right. because i do think that matters to a certain degree if you're trying to connect the two audiences they just want to make it into nba jam i would be down with that i'm not gonna lie like i'd be 10 times more likely to tune in if it was nba jam i'm just saying and honestly it would fit the mode a little bit better it would like it right. would be no like if i saw a big head seven playing up against the big head brian and we were like doing our thing like 
It'd be just like we'd the just podcast. be hugging it out. We'd just be hugging it out. <laughs> it, just be it wouldn't be fast paced. We'd take it slow. And if somebody could put a code in to play as a Mortal Kombat character, like mid game, like I'm just saying, like those NBA, no, no pun intended. NBA was my jam. NBA Jam was my jam back in the day. So I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> I just had to do it. But overall, like 2K League, not a bad first season. Clearly, these larger organizations see the value, and like you said, I think it'll take. I think we'll see another three or four trickle in. I think it'll be a few more seasons before we see the whole group in there. But clearly. You know, 21 out of 30 ain't bad. And they're in some of the markets that we kind of squinted at them not being in. Um, so I think that's a pretty big deal. So we will see. Uh, the playoffs are currently taking place. Uh, they kicked off on the 17th, so a little bit earlier this week. Um, definitely be sure to check it out. I think it's interesting. I think it's to the point now where the games matter, much like traditional sports for the playoffs now, the games matter more. So uh, make sure to check that out. Uh, we also got some other Gamescom news. Blizzard, obviously, felt our pain and said, oh, we'll, we'll get throw those guys a bone. Um, and we did get a little bit of Heroes of the Storm news, both in a new hero in uh, Mephisto, who is uh, from the Diablo series. Uh, he's a ranged assassin, so we got some reveals on him, as well as the much, much needed Hanamura rework for Heroes of the Storm. Um, so we did get a little bit of esports news. It wasn't completely dry, so Blizzard threw us a bone at least. Yeah, at least something. <laughs> he sounds so so excited i honestly was expecting far more news uh, this is also Seriously. weird for blizzard because blizzard in the past as attendees of blizzcon every year we are usually very annoyed by gamescom because it seems like the announcements tend to have always come at gamescom as opposed to coming at blizzcon this is a pretty big indicator that we know there's other stuff coming we know there's another Diablo announcement floating around there because they said the two big ones were assuming the Switch was the first one. Um, that fighting game is clearly coming at this point, confirmed yeah, by the totally. uh, Busan map, so we'll hear about that. Um, we also know that we're inevitably going to get a new Overwatch hero at BlizzCon, so it sounds like we're not going to get any more major Blizzard esports-related news probably until BlizzCon. I would also imagine BlizzCon is when we're going to get confirmation on a few more of the overwatch league franchises i feel like unless espn and jacob wolf dig them out of the ground which is not you know beyond them pull them out of the ihop rumor mill yes yes pull them out of the ihop rumor mill you'll send them your key base and he'll uh, hook you up uh we will probably get some confirmation on the last two overwatch league uh things at blizzcon we will probably also get any changes that inevitably have to be coming to the format you don't add six teams and keep running with the season format that they had before because no. it was already too much and six four teams are just going to complicate that format sooner so we will see where that is going uh we also got the announcement good news for you who are going to be at pax west uh that the final week of the Fortnite summer skirmish is going to be heading to pax west with a 1.5 million dollar prize pool on the line um, are you going to check this out i feel like you should go check this out yeah, I will more than likely check it out. I will not compete in it, obviously, but I will likely check it out. Why not? It's got an open format. You haven't been polishing up on your Fortnite skills? No, I'm awful. I'm awful at Fortnite. I'm awful at all Battle Royale games. I'm just I'm the guy hiding in the bush until the end. I have a ton of second place finishes because I'm really, really good at hiding. And then when I actually have to kill somebody or build something, I'm done. Like... <laughs> I think I might have. I was, like I was making the joke that the other day in uh, PUBG, I like literally had to like leave the game, and I just sat in a car and somehow made like third. Like I just like left. <laughs> I had to like run out of the room and go put out a fire or something crazy. And uh, of course, like I come back and I died to the blue, and I get like third place. There you go. And I'm literally just a guy sitting in a car. Yeah. All right. Good match. Way to go. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel when I play Fortnite. I'm just not good enough to engage in battles, so I usually really good at get second place. I can hide really, really well. Occasionally I'll like sit in a building and wait for somebody to come in and like shoot him in the head, but otherwise, you know. 
Uh, we also had a very interesting weekend in the NALCS. We ended up with a four-way tie for fourth place, which required a, a playoff before the playoffs to uh, determine the seeding <laughs> going into the NALCS playoffs. It saw Echo Fox, TSM, 100 Thieves, and FlyQuest all last week having to play playoffs to determine seeding. We ended up with 100 Thieves uh, emerge victorious out of those playoffs. Um, Echo Fox took fourth seed, TSM fifth, which they continue to be inconsistent, though I just have a feeling... I don't want to be a TSM hater here. By the way, FlyQuest got six, but um, I don't want to be a TSM hater here. But I just I feel like this plays out every damn season where TSM just gets continually less consistent during the season. They somehow make the playoffs. We still somehow convince ourselves that they're going to be fine. We put all this pressure on Bergson's shoulders. We go to Worlds. They fail miserably, and then we start the cycle all over again. And that has continually gotten worse and worse every year. And I feel like this is going to be the year where it blows up. Either TSM does not make it, finally, and we can change this damn narrative, or they make it and they just crash out in the most miserable fashion, and NA League of Legends can just smolders. Like, I just... I'm so sick of this narrative. I want to see somebody else go on and win, and I want to not see it be about TSM being the only hope for NA Worlds. It definitely does play out that way every year, it seems like. It's funny because... Like, will TSM make it? Or are they falling apart? Is this a year they just implode? Oh, no, no, they they scraped by and they did it, and now they implode at Worlds. <laughs> it becomes like a regular... Like We joke about this, but we have this... like annual thing where we have Alex Magdaleno from Bleacher Report on After Worlds... We talk about TSM's failure. We talk about if the end of the SKT era is here. And this may finally be the first year where the answer to both those questions is yes, even in his total TSM standness that he has. Like, we might actually be able to say this is the end of both of those eras. And that would be glorious because I'm sick of Alex and I having the same conversation after Worlds every year. We just, we just actually repurposed last year's interview. We'll I know. Throw it on I, know. This year. Like, yeah. I don't even need you to record it this year. I'm just going to replay the BlizzCon interview from last year where we just like say, oh, well, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> like, this is hopefully, hopefully going to be the year. Ugh. And last big piece of news, of course, we would be remiss to not talk about this. The Dota 2 International is taking place. By the time you hear this, we'll be heading into the final weekend of the International. Unsurprisingly, even though we have a few more days left of the Battle Pass, uh, TI8 has the biggest esports prize pool ever. For the fourth year in a row, it has broken that record. For the seventh year in a row, it has broken its own record as far as like the largest TI prize pool. We're at like 24, almost $25 million prize pool available now for TI8. Uh, not surprising, but for the first time in recent memory, it was actually looking like not a foregone conclusion because it was lagging seriously behind at points behind what we saw in the prize pool from TI7. And Valve has definitely done some things, including a Gabe voice announcer pack uh, to try to goose the <laughs> the wheels so that the uh, prize pool will continue to grow. Um, probably my favorite thing they've done up to this point is a Gabe pack it even has like all these weird screenshots of gabe in front of a microphone in his sandals and uh that apparently sold it because that pushed it over the edge yeah and they've, they've made a lot of jokes like they've included him in a lot of jokes this year they've definitely upped their their meme game when you're watching production uh i mean it looks like they're having a lot of fun in vancouver uh it's already turning out to be a pretty crazy tournament um again <laughs> eg only about uh two wins away from Maybe being in another grand finals, uh, so yeah, who knows? Who knows where it'll play out as? But again, uh, you know, 
was it PSG, LGD? Um, I think they might have even said, like, this isn't our meta, and yet here they are in the upper bracket final already. It's just uh, a lot going on. Uh, by the time you probably listen to this, we'll already know who's made it through the lower brackets as well. Um, yeah, I'll yeah, give a, I'll give a quick rundown as we understand it at this point. I mean, the games are, are can be continue to be played, but PSG, LGD, and OG are currently in the upper bracket finals. Right now, we know that uh, Evil Geniuses is going to play in the lower bracket, um, and we have Liquid, Secret. Sorry, I'm trying to run through these in real time. Um, we have Liquid and Secret who are still yet to play. There's a ton of the lower bracket that is still yet to play, so we will see where that uh, goes out, but there are still a decent amount of teams in. But to your point earlier, Evil Geniuses pops up for the third time this week, uh, even with a prize pool that is now over twenty-five million dollars in total. Even at this point, all these teams are going to make a metric crap ton of money by esports standards, even by anybody's standards. Yeah, and uh, Liquid again, uh, uh, getting near the end, uh, might be able to make it to round. Well, there, there's a good chance that they can make it to. Uh, the round round five in the lower bracket. Yep, they, they did get knocked down by PSG right now, LGD, so. um, but they got to get through Team Secret, which isn't entirely easy. Um, but uh, Liquid trying to come back and make plenty more monies this year. Yep. So it's looking like well, we're down to Liquid Secret. Evil Geniuses in the lower bracket. Uh, the winner of PSG, LGD, and OG will go on, obviously, to the grand finals. The loser will drop down to play the winner of Edward Gaming, or sorry, Edward Gaming, uh, Evil Geniuses, and uh, Liquid and Secret. So we will see how that all plays out. But uh, that will continue through the weekend. So definitely check out the stream along with millions of other people around the world who will be checking it out for that prize pool that, as of this current moment, is $25,204,451, according to our friends over vp esports so yeah lots of just a little bit of money of the dota that is a crap crap ton um there's also a little bit of drama as well um vgj storm was penalized by valve at the international for using a second coach during the draft so apparently this was yeah this was like a this is weird so essentially what happened is is they had a players meeting and everybody was at the players meeting they said you can only have one coach during draft and at some point in time, VGJ Storm goes to a tournament admin and says, hey, are, didn't they say we're allowed to have two coaches during draft? <laughs> and the admin's like, well, yes, but that coach has to leave by the start of the game. You can't have two coaches during the during the match. He's like, okay, cool. Nope. That wasn't the case. No, what they meant but, was they have to be off stage before the draft starts. Yeah. That's what they considered right. the start of the game, not the actual physical game. Right, right. And so essentially what happened is, is I don't know if there's just some, some confusion because another Valve game allowed two – was it another Valve game that was allowing two? Or at some point in time, they allowed two coaches to be on stage for picks and bans. I don't even know if it was another game entirely. Uh, it wasn't even Valve run. But I remember just recently we were, we were reporting that they had made that rule. It might have been like a like some kind of face-it tournament. Um, but either, either way, it's like all of a sudden here's this change. and But everybody else knew it, and they didn't. And they got several games into it. I think they got a couple games into it, but they did get penalized. Uh, by Valve for it. They didn't get kicked. No, because they, they really blamed it a, as a misunderstanding a because they said the employee informed them incorrectly. So, Correct. Overall, yeah. Also, if you are not at the International, uh, you're probably out of luck, but if you are at the International, you can receive your copy of Artifact and Beta Access that will get you in in October. They're also giving away Beta Access at uh, their booth at PAX West, which I am assuming that Seven's going to hook us all up with, and by us, I just mean him and I. Um, but, you know. I hope so. I hope so. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to at PAX. 
It's like the only thing. I'm only there so I can compete in the Fortnite Open and so I can get my artifact beta code. One of those two, yes. One of those two. Are you going to compete in the Geico Hearthstone tournament? No, because I don't know if I'll be, I won't be there in time. It's <sighs> a shame. I was really looking yeah, for you. I, I know. Or do you someone, going 0-2 again so that I can troll you Someone's got to actually win a game legitimately <laughs> and not just have me hand it to them with bad mulligans or something like that. You know, somebody's yeah. going to get wind of that eventually, and next time you cast Hearthstone, people are going to be like, I don't even know why this guy casts. He's like 0-37 in the Geico tournaments. <laughs> right, right. He can't even win a Geico tournament. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, I I have a pretty bad run. <laughs> I get it goes. Oh man! You know, have you seen those uh, FGC shirts floating around that are like just say O and two on them? That's all they say. <laughs> nice. They became big after Evo. I feel like we need to get you that version, but it's just like O and thirty six, and we just keep crossing it out and putting the new number after every. No, match. there's there's one in there. There, I have one win. I got a win. We're good. Did, wait, wait, one match or one round? W- one round. <laughs> one match. No, I'm joking. One match. One match. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're in in actual games played you're like one in thirty seven but in actual rounds no, you're like zero. I like I I almost had a couple reverse sweeps. I, I'm I, I definitely hold my own, but I generally get screwed over at some point in time. I've had the worst hands you could ever. Imagine. I'm pretty sure that's that's the description of every professional Hearthstone's player's career, right? It's like I do great, yeah. but occasionally the game screws me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at Geico tournaments, it does. At Geico tournaments, it's all Geico's fault. They're doing something with the RNG. Oh, as always, we're going to wrap things up with a little bit of silly esports news. And just when you thought kick-ass beef jerky was how ridiculous it could get, the Unicorns of Love have inked a sponsorship with Billy Boy Condoms. I have so many questions here. First off, have you ever heard of Billy Boy Condoms? Because I feel like if I was going to trust my sexual protection to somebody, it would not be Billy Boy. I, first off, when you said I have so many questions, I was like, well, Brian, <laughs> when a man talk about, loves about a- the birds and the bees. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, this isn't the show for that. Um, but um, yeah, this is uh, cool. Why not? I mean, their logo is going to be if on we the can jerseys. have a tournament on you porn. We can have condoms paying for. Yeah, that is kind of weird, right? Because we can't have love. porn sponsored teams, but condoms are OK. Well, why wouldn't they be OK? Why wouldn't porn be okay? I'm not saying it shouldn't. One be. is probably actually a better birth control mechanism than the condoms. I'm just saying. Like, oh, you mean? Well, no. I think esports is probably the best birth control. <laughs> <laughs> if you're playing, you're honest. playing Overwatch for 18 hours a day. You have no time for hanky panky. Is what you're saying? Yeah, you can't do it with kidney stones. <laughs> That is true. That is very, very true. Sometimes I can't do it after a hard day at the office. So, you know, kidney stones definitely take me out. So I feel I feel like, do we have to have a separate talk after the show? Yes, yes. Relationship <laughs> problems. No, just oh, man. Um, so what I want, though, is they're going to logo is going to be on the Unicorns of Love jersey. And I feel like for uninitiated fans, so people who know nothing about esports, I just want to walk into work one day with a pink Unicorns of Love jersey with a Billy Boy Condoms logo on it and just ask them to guess what my shirt is. Well, knowing you, I won't answer that. But anyways. <laughs> Good God. Oh, and then Blizzard, because so for those of you that don't follow non-esports news, uh, the Diablo version uh, for the Switch is coming out. As part of that, there is an appearance that makes you look like a Zelda character, and therefore this started all these stupid media questions. Like, oh well, you know they're doing all this stuff for Smash Brothers Ultimate. What Blizzard character would you like to be in Smash Brothers? Which doesn't matter because everyone's just going to keep playing Melee anyway. Um, but for those of you who will play the Switch version, um, there were some you know interesting answers. Apparently, everybody wants Deckard, which I'm going to be honest, like. 
If I was going to have a Diablo character in Smash that would fit just the absurdity of Smash, it would be Deckard Kane. Despite the fact that Deckard is actually one of my favorite heroes in Heroes of the Storm right now. But, um, yeah, I'd go with Deckard Kane. I think that's a safe bet. I'm trying to figure out how this was silly sports news. I, it's sports totally news. silly. But it's, it's, it's silly to think that they'd be making a brawler when they're actually doing a fighting game. <laughs> okay, that's what the again. silly part is. We are just, we're just running with this one. I also think, actually, um, what would be better is Nintendo should have trolled everybody by putting Waluigi in Diablo 3. That should have been the appearance. That would have been really good. That would have been great. Like, Diablo gets Waluigi before Smash does. Like, that would be that would Di- be amazing. Diablo kills Walu- Waluigi, and they're like, look, it happened to Luigi. It can happen to Walu... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> God. Now you've really... You're, you're pulling on that one. I've ruined uh, it for all the kids. Yes. And then, uh, did you know that you can interview by playing Fortnite? Apparently, there is a... <laughs> Company Dare.Win, a French ad agency, is hiring for six-month internships by asking people to play Fortnite as part of the interview process. Apparently, it is not about how good you are at the game, but whether or not you hide in a bush for the entire match. Well, um, I wouldn't get hired. We know that much. Uh, But also, a really weird way of trying to bring someone in... uh, to your company i mean i know what uh, they're going for it's like we're hip and cool right 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 i mean we've also had our fair share of bad interview experiences so yes. maybe this is actually kind of cool um but yeah well, all right uh, that's great the uh, problem is is how do you know that other person on the other side isn't you know 12 um yeah maybe they bring it would be weird if they probably bring them into the office and just watch over their shoulder which just like the performance anxiety <laughs> stream snipe them <laughs> Anyway, they're hiring professional stream snipers. That's exactly what they're doing. What this has to do with being an intern in an ad agency, I don't know. But the example that they gave was like, how you play the game tells a lot about how you are as a person. And if you uh, get killed before you even pick up a weapon, we probably wouldn't hire you. Like, I'm not quite sure what you tried to Hmm. say there, but sure. Yeah. Well, at least it isn't H1Z1 or PUBG where you glitch out. Sorry, you glitched on landing. You flew through a building. Uh, can't can't work here. Or or Realm Royale where you just run out of time for the interview because you can't find a match. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right. Yeah. Uh, like we'll end one. on that one while I'm on the streak of one good joke. Oh, man, that's going to do it. As always, you can check out every episode of the show on iTunes, Overcast, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and the RSS feed over at our site at nerfthis.gg. Um, and be sure to check out our daily show where there's far less jokes but far more information that we do every Monday through Friday, available as a podcast and an Alexa flash briefing where myself, Seven, and Jules give you the day's top headlines in three minutes or less. Uh, we also appreciate those iTunes reviews, even those of you that snipe us with one stars with no feedback. Uh, we prefer the five star versions of those, though. Uh, helps people discover the show and tells us how we are doing. And you can also give us that feedback um, over on our social channels, Nerf This GG on Instagram and Facebook, and on the Twitter machine at Nerf This Crew. Seven gave me this look like, what? I did not know that we were getting these one star snipers. No, no, it wasn't that. I was like, if you got feedback, let's go to Fortnite and we'll discuss it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good lord. That's how all feedback must be given uh, via Fortnite interviews going forward. Like, that's why we got the one stars, because they were like, if you guys were just better at Fortnite, yeah. I feel like this would be a better show. Uh, but that's going to do it. We will see everybody only in a few short days. Hopefully, there'll be more esports news over the weekend, but hopefully, we'll see you next week with yet another episode of.